Right now, I want to focus on something I was talking about before the break. A new survey. It's the 2019 Parents, Kids and Money survey uh, that was conducted in the States. uh, Revealed that 17% of kids, 8 to 14, have a credit card. Now, that's too young to apply for a credit card, but they have been made an authorized user on their parents' credit card account. Why? Well, parents seem to think that this is a smart way of giving them kids their kids money if they need it in emergency situations. If they're on a trip somewhere, it's a little safer than hand, handing your eight-year-old a wad of cash. And secondly, they think that it's a good way to teach them about money management. Here to talk about it, Rabina Ahmed-Hawk. She's our 640 Toronto personal finance expert. You've heard her on the show uh, several times. I'd like to call her friend of the show. Welcome. Look, thanks for having me. So, Rabina, do you find this surprising that 17% of kids 8 to 14 have a credit card or access to it by being made an authorized user on their parents? I'm not surprised by that number. And I actually think that this is something that if you do feel like your child, eight might be a bit young, but when they get into their teen years, especially if they're, you know, going uh, to a high school that's maybe they're gone all day, like eight, nine hours a day, and you're worried that they might not be able to to purchase something that they might need, if you trust them to get a joint credit card uh, might be a good way for them to start understanding how money works in today's world. But there, there is a certain number of things that the kid needs to check off uh, before you actually hand that plastic over to them. Well, before we get to that, uh, last week, Warren Buffett said that the biggest mistake people make is not teaching their kids about finances early enough. He said to start by three Absolutely. You should be having conversations about money with your children as soon as they can talk. Why not talk to your kids about how much things cost in grocery stores, uh, that people are working, like the bus driver is working, the clerk behind this, the, the store, store counter is working, so that they just start to understand that people don't just do these things for fun. I mean, these are things that people do to earn money so they can buy things for their family or for themselves just a very basic understanding. And then you can move on to, you know, giving them maybe $5 or $10 and allowing them to buy something, understanding that when you buy something, you get some change back, how to count the change, those very basic things you can start um, as early as, you know, five years old. And the talking about money can start as early as they can talk. Why do you think that people don't talk about money with their kids? Do you think there's some fear of spoiling the illusion of childhood innocence? You know, like these people are driving a bus, but it's not because they love driving a bus because the wheels on the bus go round and round. It's because they need to make money to feed their family. And I mean, you don't have to make it so serious, like they have to make money to feed their family, which is actually the truth. Uh, you can say they love their job because many people do love what they do and they love going to work every single day. But just to give them an understanding that a lot of adults are out in the world doing things that help you, but they're getting paid for that. They're getting a paycheck at the end of the week that they then use to buy the things that they want. And then help them understand the difference between that and then maybe you fixing the car because you're doing that because you want to save money. You don't want to take it to someone who fixes the car for a living. So you can start to just give them a sort of a, a, a very, very um, elementary, uh, you know, understanding sort of finance 101 of how the economy works. 
And the reason I think people don't talk about money is because it has been a taboo subject. I think that generations before us have found it very rude for people to ask, you know, what do you make? How much is your house worth? What did you spend on that car? And I see those attitudes changing, especially in your own work community. For example, I work as a freelance personal finance journalist. I have tons of friends who also do the same job. We're very open about what we charge people for certain things, what we get paid for certain jobs, so that we know that we're getting paid fairly. Now, I wouldn't share that information with, you know, my doctor, because that's none of their business, but if a personal finance journalist called me who's also freelance, of course I can share that with them, so they can have a starting point of what they can start asking for. So... Let's get back to the credit card for a second and how uh, some parents are giving their kids credit cards as young as eight years old. So they have the signing authority on their own credit card, but they are issued a credit card with their name on it and the same number as their parents. Their parents obviously are on the hook for any um, debt that 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 card would incur. But what are the things that you need to check off before you decide to do this and go ahead with a credit card for your kid? So I would start with a prepaid credit card. I wouldn't just go straight to the card that's linked to your account where there could be tens of thousands of dollars that they could charge to it and not be asked any questions. So I would start with, you can go and get you know, a prepaid credit card as much as you want, $100, $300, and see how they use that because they can't overspend on that. They can only use what's been loaded on it. First, get them to do that, I would say, for a good six months so that they really do understand how plastic works and how there is still only a limited amount of money that you can spend on that card. Then I would gradually move them to a card that was joint. And only if there's a need for it. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't just give them a credit card because you feel that, you know, some parents uh, sort of overprotect their children by thinking, well, what if they get in a situation they need to use a credit card? I mean, more than likely, if you give them a little bit of cash or a prepaid credit card, they can get in you know, get something to eat or whatever if they need to. Um, And really, I mean, I personally would not give my child a credit card till they go to university or maybe in the later years in high school, because there's also a safety factor. I mean, if you've got some crummy people around you, they might take that card and buy things, um, you know, knowing that they can easily get the pin code from you if they bully it out of you. So you want to just make sure that all those things are in place, that they're mature enough to protect the card. They know the power of it. They understand that the bill is going to mom and dad, uh, but they can't abuse that. And I would start with the prepaid card and see how, you know, if they run up to $300 the first day, then you know you, they're not ready for like the real credit card that actually the bill goes to you. Okay, so let's get to the prepaid credit card for a second. Isn't that really like a debit card? I mean, wouldn't you be missing one of the crucial uh, lessons in having a credit card is to pay it off at the end of each month? Well, they're not paying it off at the end of each month. So I think that unless you're asking them to pay the money at the end of each month. Right, um, which is, which is what able- the credit card is teaching them. And one of the arguments for the credit card is this teaches them you need to pay it off at the end of the month. But if you have a prepaid debit, you're missing that opportunity to teach that lesson. I think the first lesson is to learn about plastic, is to okay. learn that, you know, this is, there is actual real dollars behind this card, whether I'm paying it at the end of the month or whether I've preloaded it for you and it's still money that I earned that I now put on this card, that they first need to learn, uh, learn to respect the fact that this is actual money behind this card. So even a debit card might be a good idea, but the problem with the debit card is that you can often go into overdraft and then there's other fees. With the prepaid card, you know they can only do a X amount of damage if they were to be irresponsible. Um, and when the bill, when you do finally graduate them to a, a regular credit card where the bill comes to you, make sure they 
see that bill. Make sure it's not a bill that you just pay and it magically just disappears. Make sure they see that bill because most credit card companies now send the bill and they have all the spending um, organized by the cardholder. And that could be one of the lessons, right? You go down through the bill and talk about what their purchases, the purchases they made were and if they were smart purchases or not. Absolutely. I mean, reconciling your bills is one of the smartest things that you, everyone should be doing at the, you know, when you get your statement, just taking out all your bills, making sure all the charges are correct. And it also just puts into perspective if you spent that much, too much mm-hmm. that month. And that's something you can do with your child. See, every time you buy something on this credit card, you're responsible for holding on to the receipt, whether it's a digital receipt or it's a paper receipt, you're responsible. So when the bill comes, you have to reconcile all these charges and you have to explain to me when there's something that just looks like you spent too much, why you did that, and maybe make that into a sort of a learning, uh, a little bit of a lesson there where you can say, well, you went out for pizza three days in a row. What was the need for that? Why didn't you just do it the one day with your friends? So th- there's definitely lessons that can be learned along the way um, when you look at those bills at the end of the month. Rabina, uh, the people that say that this is an incredible teaching tool, getting your kid uh, credit card, even as young as Eight say that another benefit is even as an authorized user, your kids are going to start building their own credit history. How important is that? Well, they're not going to be building their own credit history because it's not in their name. You're still the person who is responsible for paying the bill. So it's still just, it really is only affecting your credit. So in fact, you're the one taking the chance because if they're irresponsible and for some reason you can't afford to pay their bill off, it's going to ding your credit score. So when they turn 18, if they've had some experience with a joint card with you, then you can be, feel much more comfortable with them opening their own credit card and start building their credit history. I think there is a little bit of an obsession with people who want to start building their credit history. And if I don't get a credit card, it's not going to happen. Um, young people should know that when you rent an apartment and you pay your rent on time, you're building your credit history. When you have utility bills that you are responsible, you're building your credit history. When you have a bank account that doesn't go into overdraft that you keep a balance on, that shows well on your credit score as well. It's not just a credit card. And so I think that oftentimes, you know, Visa, MasterCard, all these other big credit card companies will push that. You've got to build your credit history, sign up for us so that you know, down the road you can get a mortgage. I think that that is a false statement. You can build your credit history in so many different ways. Is it important to be clear about the rules and what happens if you break the rules with the credit card? Yes, I would actually make them go into a uh, calculator. I mean, recently we talked about this last week on um, on uh, Mike Stafford's show where Quebec has come up with new laws of how much people should pay the minimum payment on credit card balances. But I argue that's still not far enough. Really, the tool, the really what we should be doing is arming people with education, financial education, that you must pay your statement off in full every single month because you are paying exorbitant amounts of interest rate. Even if you're paying 5% minimum, it's still going to take you years and thousands in interest to pay off most average credit card bills. So get them to go into a credit card payment calculator and plug in the numbers of what they think they should be paying every month and see how much interest that incurs and see how long it takes them to pay off maybe a small purchase like three, four hundred dollars. And it will put in their minds how important it is that if you buy something on a credit card, the money has to be in the bank. You're only using the card as a tool, not a resource, just so you don't have to carry wads of cash around. That's the only reason we should have a credit card in our wallet. Rabina, thanks so much for joining us. Always a pleasure. 
Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the Great White North and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.